Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to the show. This is Other You. Today's episode features one Benjamin Cowan. Ben and I have known each other 20 years, thereabouts. Um, I knew him when he was in school, um, studying painting, and he has grown into a very prolific painter, which is exciting. Um, Ben, welcome to Other You. Thanks, Daniel. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. Excellent. Excellent. So, Ben, how have you been? I've been good. Um, (laughs) Good. Busy, you know. Um, uh, Well, it's pandemic season, so in some ways I'm not busy at all. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I mentioned that I started getting into, like, TV movie production stuff. So I... Mm -hmm. In New York City, um, a couple of years ago, uh, through a couple of fr- art friends, got me hooked up with scenic painting. Mm-hmm. And um, after a couple of years of working sort of non-union stuff, I got uh, got enough experience to test into the union. So now I'm I'm a union man wow. for the local eight two nine in New York city as a scenic artist. Um, wow. so I've worked on some Netflix shows and Amazon and some CBS, NBC stuff. Um, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah, super yeah, it's really good. So I was really busy with that and I had just gotten plugged in with the union for like a few months and then everything got shut down for COVID. Right. Um, yeah. so I'm just like hanging around hoping <laughs> that it'll start yeah. back up again. Um, and, uh, but I've been doing a lot of baking and have you, me too. That's, that's oh, amazing. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people I joined the sourdough club. Nice. How, have you, have you had much success with sourdough? Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah, okay. I actually just baked two loaves that like a few minutes before we started our call. Nice. Yeah. That's great. It turned out really good. That's awesome. Um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm finding that, um, maybe I don't have, the patience for it. But I find that when I'm, you know, doing the folding, I, I mm-hmm. tend to, maybe I'm overfolding it instead of just like, you know, doing the stretch and lay stretch and lay and then leave. You know, I think I might yeah. be overfolding it too much because like the bread tastes great and it looks interesting, but I'm not getting that in the air pockets inside, you know? Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe after this, you should send me some pictures and I can try and troubleshoot with you. I've, I watched, I mean, the kind of the benefit of not having a job mm-hmm. for such a long period of time is, um, and I've been like homeschooling the two kids mm. and which, which isn't, you know, I didn't go to school to be a child educator. <laughs> so, um, I'm learning to not scream every time they don't yeah. get something. Um, yeah. And so baking has been like a good stress reliever oh, for me. Okay. It just like gives me something to occupy my mind. So while they're doing calls and like working on work and I have to just sort of sit there with them and make sure they're like on task and mm-hmm. understanding the instructions, I watch tons of baking videos wow. online. So I've watched like 12 to 20 hours of people baking. Yeah. Um, 
and I feel like I've got a good feel for it. I'm still okay. like, I like today I made a mistake, but I tried something different, and so okay. it didn't come out perfect. Mm-hmm. So, but I kind of I think I've figured out like a pretty good middle road strategy for getting a good loaf of bread out and every okay. once in a while I change something to see what will happen and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't hmm, okay but yeah time is like waiting for the yeast to do its thing and like mm-hmm. so it's like a two day two or three day process sometimes yeah. to make one loaf of bread yeah um but, but it's great and I've got the time to do it and it's right. been fun to learn it yeah which is which is super exciting <laughs> and you know it when I, so I have, I have a sensitivity to flour. Um, and I have learned uh-huh. that unless I'm using either whole grain flour or organic flour or just unbleached, unenriched flour that my body's like, I hate this. Stop it. So right. it's been, it's been interesting trying to experiment with different types of flour that, um, once I find the one, I'm like, okay, now let's, what can I make with this? So I've made brioche and which came out great. And I've made a bunch of other loaves, but it was specifically sourdough. That, that one is the one that I like, that's the one that I want to do, but it, I'm having the hardest time with, yeah. with that one, which is not my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I probably ruined everything for like a month before yeah. it really like kicked in and started making sense to me. Gotcha. Okay. So if, if it takes a month to get it right, I have another few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Keep at it. I think it's like after like 10 to 15 loaves of bread, I uh-huh. think it starts That's, to make more sense. Okay. Okay. So I've got some time. All right. I'll keep at it. I keep, I'll keep yeah. at it. When you start your bread podcast, you bring me back. Oh, for sure. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> uh, speaking of, so um, Ben, what what is your decision? Let's get straight into that. Oh, okay. So I've been thinking about it a lot since you asked me about it, and it's mm-hmm. a hard decision to make a decision, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to write a story about me making a decision about your podcast. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't. One of, the, like, one of the crossroads I keep coming back to in life was after grad school. So I went to Indiana University for my painting MFA, and then mm-hmm. um, Emily and I moved to Michigan, where I was supposed to teach a class an art class at a college there and Mm then um that summer class got canceled and i was left without any jobs Mm. and i got a job at a bike shop um so for like a year and a half i was working part-time at a bike shop and then picking up various college classes there okay um and trying to to study or to teach oh to um to teach so i was teaching painting and drawing at a couple community colleges there gotcha okay um, which was a really good gig, but like the following year, all the classes just got canceled and oh, I was no. lowest on the totem pole. Mm. And, um, so yeah. it was basically jobless and we were left with like a kind of bleak future. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Emily was, Emily was, she, you know, our son was a, uh, David, he was just like one years old at that hmm. point. Um, and so she was, she was like primary caretaker, but also working at a, a boutique crunchy baby mom store, um, where you can like buy cloth diapers and organic pillows oh, okay. and, hmm. uh, wooden 
baby toys. So she was able to take him to work there and it was like a really good situation, but it wasn't enough to pay all the bills. Gotcha. Okay. So this is a long story to say that I like we were both applying to jobs. I mm-hmm. had a job interview in Chicago for a teaching job. Okay. Um, and I also had a job interview. I was like a final three for a university in in Ohio for a, a like adjunct professor job. And then mm. um, I was also working on applying to the Jeff Kuhn studio in New York City. Um, so I had a contact there, okay. uh, a friend, David Maddie, that I went to school with, um, had been working there for a little over a year and was trying to plug me in. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had these like three places in mind, um, or where to go next since okay. Michigan wasn't really cutting it. And, um, uh, Turned out the only job I got was the one at Coon Studio, and so we ended up moving to New York City. Gotcha. Um, okay. And that's like kind of shaped our life in a significant way since then. Okay. Um, and uh, I mean, I've always had a love affair with New York City since since like high school, middle school, watching Seinfeld and Woody Allen movies and yeah. Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. Like New York just seemed like this kind of amazing place. Um, Culturally, but also as like an artist mecca, it was yeah. kind of like where all artists go to make their Cut dreams their teeth. come true. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So like some, I mean, even right now, since we're we we left Brooklyn to hang out in the suburbs with my in-laws, mm-hmm. and the thought of living somewhere other than Brooklyn is like constantly on our mind. So like I find myself sort of daydreaming. Oh, what would life be like if we had done the the adjunct circuit mm-hmm. and just move from small college town to small college town mm-hmm. and kind of lived our life that way. And then maybe ended up in a more rural situation. I mean, not necessarily like farm life, but right. something like Brooklyn. Right. Um, and then, uh, or what would have happened if we moved back to Chicago and like mm-hmm. stayed friends with everybody that, that was we there. knew yeah. there. You know, like that, I think our lives would be really different in either one of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, Neither of you two are from Chicago. Right. But you, but you guys met, you and your wife met in Chicago, right? Yeah. We both went to college there and then we both met after we finished college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and I lived in your basement. You did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. That ground floor <laughs> apartment. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you want to talk about that. I mean, that's kind of fun. But, yeah. Um, no, that's great. That's that uh, is how we we met. We met because you you were attending the church that I had grown up in. Right. And then you and John had become uh-huh. roommates in the the garden apartment of the the house that my parents owned. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So I mean, we had we had gotten the chance to get to know each other some, um, and I I don't know if having you live down there was uh, more of an opportunity for us to get to know each other or if it, it was a matter of convenience that ease of access. Um, but I do remember fondly, there were a few times where uh, I went down there and you're like, Hey, can I paint you? And I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> and then the one particular time I was sitting in a chair by the front window uh, and you were painting me and then I fell asleep in the chair and you stopped and you grabbed another, um, 
you were painting on not just canvas, you're painting on like slabs of wood and things of that. And you grabbed a smaller piece of wood and you painted me asleep. And that's the one that we ended up talking about more. And he's like, Oh, you were doing this interesting thing while you were sleeping. And so I painted it. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about all that. I just, I painted constantly back then. Yeah. Just, I was always trying to get people's shirts off too. Did I ask you to take your shirt off? No, you didn't. I would have, but you never do. I do, I do. I do the remember when you say that now I have memories coming back of you talking about doing uh, like natural stuff uh, and being super intrigued by that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was good times. So that was so I long ago. I want to put on record that we were, John and I referred to your dad as the big man upstairs. <laughs> that is accurate. That, that is accurate. <laughs> That is for those of you that don't know, my dad is a, is almost six feet tall and has always been a burly man, just yeah. a stout, solid, burly man as far as long as I've known him. So that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I enjoy that. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, all right. So to unpack, we'll, we'll to unpack this decision. Let's talk about the opportunities, uh, specifically Ohio, where in Ohio um, were you looking to, where had you applied? You said there was a school that you were looking to take uh, an adjunct position. Sheesh. What was the name of that school? Um, it was a community college, I imagine. No, no, this was like a, this was like a university, a liberal arts college. Okay. Um, and I can't remember, I haven't thought about this in 10 years. Um, okay. Well, I guess it hasn't been that long. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like, I, I think I remember it being in central Ohio somewhere. Um, like near Columbus? What it, it's, it's not Ohio State. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. It was, it was like one of those smaller schools that, um, that has like a good liberal arts program, but their art department was maybe like three professors oh okay and uh so i think somebody was retiring or um it might have been a visiting professor position so Mm. like that would have been like a one-year appointment okay um, with like the very small chance to renew your contract to stay there or something okay um i gotcha yeah if i had gotten that job that probably that would have set me up to kind of continue down the the line of academic Mm -hmm. career Um, it's like a lot of my friends that i went to grad school with are full-time teachers they've got Mm. they're just that that's what they do they teach full-time and Mm -hmm. well the you you got your mfa at indiana Uh, didn't uh, you you taught a class while you were there didn't you yeah, yeah, we taught um, every semester. So while okay. I was there, I taught five different classes, mm. um, and I really enjoyed teaching. and And I actually didn't go to grad school to be a teacher. I just went to that school because um, the faculty there were people that I really admired, and it mm. was connected to a particular artistic history that I was trying to connect with. Gotcha. Uh, and then, you know, I continued teaching at community colleges in Michigan, mm-hmm. and. And it's, it's a really fun job, uh, but at the lower levels, you don't get paid that well. So like hmm. we were actually on food stamps. I was teaching at wow. two colleges and working at a bike shop and we still couldn't pay for rent. We were living with my high school best friend wow. and his wife. So it was a pretty rough kind of like tense sort of frustrating experience to like mm-hmm. have 
gone to school and then ended up in my hometown living mm. a few blocks from my parents with my high school friends. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, like, I think I, you know, you as a creative person, I think can appreciate the weird roundabout mm-hmm. way of pursuing a career kind Absolutely. of doesn't propel you forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that kind of accumulated experience is really important for mm-hmm. the creative process. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. So it's interesting, like in some ways comparing myself with others at my age, like our lives look really stunted and juvenile, mm-hmm. you know, like, but, at, but in other ways, like, you know, I've had these absolutely magnificent career opportunities mm-hmm. just from being in New York and having no good job. I've never had like a career job mm-hmm. so I'm always happy to quit a job and just go to another opportunity yeah um yeah because you know what's health insurance I don't know I haven't had it um <laughs> and um yeah it's not real uh, it's, it's not real yeah. for most people <laughs> I, mean, I just got health insurance in March like oh wow four or five months ago and I was all geared up to go to the doctor and like mm-hmm. Nope. I think I have sleep apnea and yeah, like nope. checkups, you know, but then all everything just shut down. Yep. And so I'm stuck here putting nose strips on and <laughs> hoping that, that lump isn't something. Oh but no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm that's a joke actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I gotcha. I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. That's great. That's great. So <laughs> you say about ten years, that would put this all of this happening about two thousand ten? Well, oh, so the the exact date would have been 2012. Okay, it was 2012. All happened in the summer of 2012. Okay, so I graduated in 11, and then we were in Michigan for a year, year and a half. Mm. Okay, okay. So how long had you been married by 2012? Oh, um, from seven to 12. Okay, so 2007 is when you got married. Yeah. Okay. And you said David was about a year old at this time. Yeah, he was born uh, the he was born in the fall of 2010, so he was a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Fall of 2010. All Uh And then, so do you do you have any siblings? I do. Yeah, I've got two brothers. Okay. Where in yeah, the order I'm, are you? I'm a middle kid. Middle. Um, so my older brother's two and a half years older and my younger brother's nine years younger. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he was still, uh, he's 20, he'll be 26 this year. So eight years ago, he was just finishing up high school kind mm. of when we moved back to Michigan. So it was like, it's kind of interesting to be around a sibling that I didn't really see. Yeah blossom you know mm-hmm. you got you skipped a few years on that right yeah i remember my so my brother is four years younger than i am and i when he had just started high school i left and started my exploring of of, of things so mm-hmm. when i came back to chicago after college he it was like graduating high school and about to head to college. And I was like, man, who is this person? You know, yeah. like I, I knew him up until this point and then I disappeared. And when I came back, I was like, I don't even recognize him at all. So yeah, that's interesting coming back to that sort of thing. Yeah. So that puts you at about 25 ish, huh? When oh, you, yeah, when all that, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I would have been 26 or 7 or something. In 2012? Golly, yeah. David okay. was born when I was 25. Okay. Which yeah, is like yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. Wow, I was doing thesis in grad school, which right. is just Yeah. <laughs> So about 25, oh, well, we'll say 27, okay. 27 is that good age, you know, the 27 yeah. club. The 27, it's a very important club, man. A lot, a lot of things. A famous artist. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of me is happy you didn't because <laughs> <laughs> the 27 club, you know, they hit their peak and that's where it ends yeah, right, yeah. at 27. So, oh, man. So we're a middle I mean, child. I did. Been married five years at this point. Um, so Emily, at this point, um, she was the primary caretaker of David. Did she also have a part-time job, or was she focused solely on making sure he stayed yeah. alive? Yeah, she had a part-time job. She was working at that kid's boutique. Oh, that's like right. A, you mentioned that, the Crunchy Kids oh, Boutique. Yeah. Okay. So she's working uh, at... Uh, we keep saying her name. Emily is uh, David's lovely wife. Uh, uh, or David's mom, Ben's wife. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is Emily. We keep mentioning. Um, and so she had a part-time job. And then you had the, the three jobs that you were working. Um, so at that time, were you guys able to spend um, much time together? Or was that a period of time where you guys actually didn't see much of each other? No, I'm, I, we've spent quite a bit of time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we probably spent more time together then than sometimes we do in New York. Oh, wow. Um, okay. You know, just being like busy mm-hmm. with Emily's working full time now and I'm sometimes working full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a, it was a really emotionally tense time. I remember like, it, it just wasn't like a happy time because mm-hmm. we were both really stressed out, didn't know yeah. what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes we would be mad at each other for saying stupid things or not doing things or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's kind of part of being married. And then also mm-hmm. like just having a young baby. And then we're also sharing a house with another couple. Mm-hmm. And so, Oh, okay. So your friend, your friend was married at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so him and his wife lived in the house with us. Um, Hmm. and was it a multi-level dwelling? Were you guys able to separate or were you guys all all five of you on the same floor? We were, it was a two story house The the living room and kitchen and dining room were on the first floor and then the bedrooms were upstairs. Oh, and then there was like a garage with a workshop and uh, okay. uh, the basement was like kind of a mixed use space. I had a, I, my studio, I tend wherever I squat, I tend to commandeer a, like a space to put a table and an easel. And so sure. I had a, <laughs> my studio was in a closet down in the basement. Oh, wow. Um, and I had... <laughs> I had a very small area to work. Um, Was it ventilated? Did you get high a lot by accident? Because I remember uh, when you were in the apartment, you were working on making your own paints, but you were using like heavy metals. (laughs) If I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at at that point I was um, in Michigan, I was using acrylics. Okay. Um, So it wasn't, there weren't any fumes or anything like that. Okay. Uh, But 
Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, my time there was, uh, I could only paint when David was sleeping. So a lot of times mm. I would be around during the day and put him down for a nap. And then I would run to the basement and paint mm. as fast as I could <laughs> for like an hour and a half to two hours. And then uh. as soon as he started crying in the bed to like have somebody come get him, that was when the studio day was over. Gotcha. Wow. So you didn't, um, you didn't spend like between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. as your, this is my alone time. This is when I paint. I, or unfortunately, you... I'm one of those people that has to sleep to function. Okay. I'm like super jealous of people that can survive on three or four hours of sleep and they mm-hmm. get so much done. Yeah. I'm like a bed at 10 guy and I wake up at seven. Hmm. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> How many hours is that? That's, that's uh, nine hours. It's really impressive. <laughs> so I've got my like lay there awake and stare at the ceiling time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's but. important. Yeah. I feel like, um, uh, a lot of times I feel like I can survive on five to six hours of sleep. Um, but then there are days where I'm just like, I'm not getting out of bed. I'm, I'm just yeah. not, even, even though like I'll get six, seven hours and I'm like, nah, I'm just going to lay here for another couple hours and, just let my body hang out, you know, and they say that you, you, you never get, uh, out of sleep debt, right? So if you're, if your body is suffering because of lack of sleep, you can't like compensate by, Oh, I'm going to sleep like 12 hours today and make up for it. Um, but I'm, I'm, even though that I've heard that to be true, I still try and I still try and let that be the case. <laughs> <laughs> if I was somehow putting away all my surplus sleep for my mm-hmm. future, I, I could yeah. sleep higher when I'm 60 and just be awake for 20 years. Yeah, that would that would be incredible if we could do that. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, what kind of music were you into at the time? Oh, man. In, in that time period? Mm-hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. Um, you know, I, I pretty much exclusively listened to Bob Dylan for like three or four years, Mm. uh, from like 2009 to, um, to about then. I, I don't know if I started listening to podcasts at that point. Okay. But like, and I'm also an NPR junkie, so it's possible that if I was ever listening to something, it was like just NPR, so no music at all. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I remember. It, it, I remember you were into like folk music, but specifically um, things that you would use your body to create sounds. So spoons. <laughs> um, the washboard. I remember. I remember. Uh, even if it was just for fun, we, we sat down, we watched a VHS tape of somebody that had built himself like a suit, like yeah. a, a, a onesie that had like leads all over it, and he just would beat the crap out of himself making music, just smacking away at his thighs and moving all over the place. Yeah, um, that's David. He's awesome. Yeah. So I, I remember that. Had that, um, had, had your affinity for that, transition to Bob Dylan at that point, or were you moving from that or moving from Bob Dylan to, um, like NPR, more talk radio type things? Hmm. Um, 
I I imagine that I was probably moving into more podcast stuff mm-hmm. in 2012. Okay. Um, it's hard. It's hard for me to remember. Um, okay. It's possible that even because my studio time was so short, I didn't even listen to anything. Yeah. Um, okay. Sometimes it's the, just concentrating mm-hmm. on something enough. Was that the um? Was that when you would consume music was during studio sessions? Yeah. Yeah. Generally, I sort of think of music and audio stimuli in the studio as a, as like a mood modifier. Okay. Um, so like, so I had like six to eight hours of Bob Dylan that I would listen to Hmm. relatively chronologically. And so that was about as long as I could be in the studio and Hmm. keep the energy Gotcha. And so it was just a way for me to like zone out and sort of be in the same kind mm-hmm. of emotional space. Even though his songs all have different emotions, there's a kind of predictability to the way that his music kind of carries the same attitude mm-hmm. through all the albums. Yeah. And then uh, he has a specific tone for sure. <laughs> I, know, yeah, I like that grating kind of like, <laughs> yeah, there is quite a bit of that. Yeah. 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 Right, right. Um, and so I would listen to the same thing every day in the studio. I would just come in, turn it on. Gotcha. You know, okay. I, mean, I had very little variety in my life. Um, ever. Yeah. I totally understand that. When I, well, so last year I set out to uh, write essentially a book over the course of months by releasing little snippets. And every time I went to write, I, sp- I listened to the same playlist. And it was like a, a lo- like a lo-fi hip hop, a little bit of electronic playlist, but I knew the order. I knew the songs in the middle of the writing. If I heard a song, I knew where I was about in the playlist, how long I had been working at it, how much time I had left. So I totally understand having, no, this is, this is the, the order that I play. I hit play and I know exactly what I have, you know, for the day. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I hear that someone else is doing that. Yeah, that's important. Like, also, like telling the time. I think that's really important too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this song's on. It's like time for a snack. Yes. Yeah. Um, the yeah, problem exactly. with that though is if you ever hear that song on the radio at another time, <laughs> the Pavlovian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's a Rolling Stone. I need pretzels. Yes. Yes, that's funny. Um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so let's 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 talk a little bit about um, life in New York. Tell me, what was the first year like when you took the job at the studio? What was that first year for you like transitioning to the biggest city in the States coming from yeah. Michigan? You had lived in Chicago. You had lived at um, uh, Indy. Uh, that's uh, where the campus was, right, for you? Uh, yeah, so you had lived Chicago, I'm, had lived Indy. You went back to smaller town, Flint. That's where you're from, right? Uh, Ann Arbor, actually. Ann Arbor. I apologize. Ann yeah. Arbor. Okay, so you go to Ann Arbor, and then from there, now you're thrust into the largest metropolitan place in the whole country. What yeah. was that first year like for you? Uh, it was tremendous. Um, I, it's it's super overwhelming and um, tumultuous is sort of the word that comes to mind. Okay. Um, where. Uh, the, I think the best description I ever heard of New York City was uh, from my friend Matt that said it's 
it's just more of everything. Um, it's okay. like all the great things about life, there's more of it there, but mm. all the really terrible, hard things about life, there's, there's more of that too. Okay. And so you're constantly sort of being pulled back and forth between these, these really incredible moments and then really, uh, devastating moments at mm. the same time. Um, yeah. so, um, like for example, for me, I was high as a kite emotionally when I arrived. Um, and I started, I, I was, I had like a day or two to kind of walk around and mm. then jumped right into working full time for Jeff Coons. Who's, um, he's a, he's a, he's like the most profitable living artist alive wow, um, okay. to like put it in context. So he's, he's a really prominent artist in the contemporary world and, uh, is over a hundred assistants working at his studio. And it, for me, it was, wow. it felt, I, I was speechless when I walked in, I couldn't say a word for like five minutes. Wow. Um, when I visited for the first time, it felt like being in the Charlie and the chocolate factory or something. It was yeah. just like Loompas and rivers of chocolate flowing everywhere. It was so wild. Um, and then, um, I was meeting all these people that were kind of like living and trying to go after the same thing that I was. They were sort of like sacrificed everything to be there and really wanted to be artists and live their lives and were struggling day to day. And, mm-hmm. um, and we would go to gallery openings and I was like seeing all these people that I've been reading about my whole life and watching YouTube videos about them. And they're just there wow. at the gallery. And, hmm. um, I got to meet one of my art heroes kind of that first month. Thomas Niskowski is an artist that I love. Hmm. And I saw that he had a painting at a show and I went to that show and he was standing there wow. and I went right up to him and I was like, Mr. Niskowski, I, I really <laughs> like your work. It's so nice to meet you. Um, I'm sure he'd love and, that. Yeah. Oh, he was like super friendly dude. And That's he just cool. really, he was like happy to meet me and talk to me and ask wow. me if I was a painter. And then I was like, yes. And I like ran away. Um, <laughs> and, um, so there's like moments like that. And then it's, but at the same time, like just trying to figure out where to buy groceries is, mm-hmm. is a totally different experience and navigating a city with a child mm-hmm. and trying to find a place to live that isn't, um, that isn't infested or dangerous or um like doesn't have the like the first place we stayed in had a radiator right next to the toilet and if you were sitting there at the wrong angle you would burn your bottom wow <laughs> like there's some weird things like that that you have to learn to, oh like, no city. um and like you know every time i took a train to a different place i would get lost yeah. um you come out of the subway and try to figure out what direction you're facing. Mm -hmm. Um, but like all of that's like kind of thrilling at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, but you run out of money instantly and Hmm. um, just like budgeting yourself and trying to figure out, you know, like how do you, how do you have fun in a city that costs so much money and, Hmm. um, uh, and still like make enough time for your, for your passions and stuff. So I didn't paint probably for the first year I was there for myself. I was, you know, working full time and it took a long time for me to kind of get set up as a, as a practicing artist again and feel Mm. comfortable making new work. And, um, uh, you know, and just, and, and also like, not having any relationships there too. Like I know Emily felt really isolated when we first got there Mm. um, because she wasn't working right away. And, um, and it, it was a bit of a struggle to kind of meet new friends and people and Mm -hmm. 
but we ended up making some really amazing friends that we still have. And that's um, great. Did you spend your, have you spent your whole time living in New York, living in Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we landed in bed for the first month and a half and then moved down to Crown Heights, which is like just South of bed mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, it's like kind of central Brooklyn. And then, um, Last summer, we won the housing lottery mm. and got an affordable unit in Greenpoint. So now we live in um, in a different part of Brooklyn. We're like at the very north end of Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and that's been really great. Um, that's a awesome. totally different neighborhood. And in some ways, we had to do all of the moving over again, like trying hmm. to figure out where to buy groceries, like what dude on the street do you wow. not talk to? Um, <laughs> right. Like where do you park your car yeah. to not get towed overnight? Mm. And, um, that's fun. That's fun. So like, you guys, you guys have a car then? Yeah. So we bought a car two years ago. Okay. Um, which was kind of a big deal. Um, uh, are you still riding your bike? You know, because I have a car and you have to move your car constantly in New York mm. city, um, because of these like street cleaning things, mm. um, I end up driving it quite a bit just to keep it moving. Okay. Um, so I'm not biking as much and I've gained some weight and I'm <laughs> frustrated by that. Right. Um, cause when I worked for Jeff Coons, he, his studio was in Chelsea at the time and I would bike from central Brooklyn and that was a nine mile trip. Yeah. And so I was biking 18 to 20 miles a day. Wow. Um, every day and I was in amazing shape and sure, you had um, them ripped thighs. I had ripped thighs and <laughs> subtle love handles and I could eat everything. It was right? amazing. Oh, that always feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, uh, the problem, I, I ended up getting really bad tendonitis at the Coon mm. studio. It's like kind of one of the things that led me to quit is that mm. I couldn't, I could no longer hold anything. I had to stop painting and Shoot. Um, yeah, wow. I had to stop biking cause it hurt so much to bike. And it was even, I would have like shooting pains just holding the, the bar on the subway. Um, wow. like I had to drink coffee with two hands because it hurt to hold the handle on the cup. I mean, it was like, wow. it was pretty awful stuff. Yeah. Um, and I still have, um, residual effects from that. Like I really can't paint as long as I used to. And I got to be really careful about hmm. like just how long I hold a particular position and, um, you know, so it's, that's like one of the, yeah, I would say that's like one of the more difficult parts of my experience in New York is just having been sort of injured occupational mm. injury. Um, right. of course I didn't have health insurance, so it wasn't like anything I could treat yeah. doctors. So I ended Shoot. up just trying to do it on my own. Mm. Um, but, uh, and then at the same time, that, that all kind of happened when um, when I made a few connections and started my freelance career mm-hmm. and was doing some commercial work for like hotels. And I did mm-hmm. a big commission painting for a tennis club in, in Chicago. And nice. um, so I was like, there was a few months where I was like going a little crazy because I was I was working at the Coon studio and then I would go to my studio in Brooklyn afterward and paint for a few hours and then Mm. come home and just fall apart Mm. and like pound some ibuprofen and put wrist braces on and then try to do it all again the next day. Oh man. Um, It's pretty nuts. I can feel that. I had, so I dislocated my shoulder when I was in high school 
And uh-huh. I, I went through the physical therapy, but I think I, I, sh- I, I left that early. And I have like this nagging injury that was re-aggravated a few years ago doing uh, Tough Mudder. So I did a Tough oh. Mudder. And one of the events is you run up this half wall, right? Yeah. And then once you get over the top, you turn around and you help the people behind you. And I remember I was helping people up and I, and I knew it. Like I was like, all right, all right, I'm good. I should stop. But I helped like two more people. And like, as I did, I felt the strain on my shoulder and I was like, ah, shoot, this is going to bug me. It's three years later. It's still like, I'll wake up and try and push myself off the bed with that arm. And I'm like, Nope, not getting anywhere, you know? So yeah. yeah. Oh man. So I, I feel you. I feel you. And I don't think I lost or the potential to lose something that I love as much as the potential for the loss of painting for you. But I can mm-hmm. relate to the idea of having a, like a nagging injury that health insurance might've helped, but not having it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Um, so hypothetically, let's say you took, um, let's say all three of the positions that, uh, for which you applied back then, uh, came back with interest, you know, mm-hmm. the, the school in Chicago said, uh, we, we would love to have you. We have a position for you. The school in Ohio, same thing. Hey, you're, you're our guy. We want you here. What's it going to take? Um, what, what, what do you see? What did you see yourself doing? Let's say Chicago first and then Ohio, uh, with those opportunities. Oh, like what, like what was the priority or no, what let, would happen? Yeah. So let's say you picked Chicago. What, what kind of projection for yourself or your life do you think you would have had for the next couple of years taking that job? Do you think it would have led to a more permanent teaching position? Do you think maybe, uh, starting there, you would have tried to become a permanent fixture there or tried to parlay that into a different university? Um, yeah. And well, both think- of those were, those, both of those were teaching opportunities, right? Chicago and Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So we can go ahead and like the idea of parlaying that position into something more permanent, more prestigious insofar as teaching is concerned, uh, together. But uh, what do you, what can you imagine for yourself would have been a projection for your, for you guys as a family, if you would have taken one of those? Yeah. I I think the, to like speculate on Ohio, I think we would have been there for, almost a year. And then I would have immediately been applying for new jobs looking for like the next university job, just because the likelihood of renewing a contract like that is pretty slim. Okay. Uh, And the, the friends that I have that have gone that route have moved to like three or four more different States before they kind of land something that's permanent enough to like buy a house and Hmm. settle down. Um, but it's possible that you know, maybe it was just one more jump and I'd have a full-time permanent position somewhere. And mm-hmm. I mean, like kind of the, the way it looks to me in my head is like, if we had gone somewhere and bought a house and had a steady job mm-hmm. and we weren't constantly worried about what was going to happen in a month, mm-hmm. um, like I think we would have tried to have more kids or, okay. um, like maybe I would have, I think I would definitely have started welding (laughs) (laughs) or like, um, okay. I I don't know. Like what, what kind of entrepreneurial 
excursions would I've gone on. I think Emily would have had a more established career than she does now. It's like okay. taken her a long time to kind of like get her career going since moving around so much and having a kid and everything. Yeah. Um, um, and like, I mean, all that seems really pleasant and wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Chicago, I think would have been a much, would have been sort of a, a like a hybrid of those two because it we really love living in a city and Chicago is such a wonderful place to be and to live and mm-hmm. we had both been there for five or six years before moving and had really great friend group yourself included mm-hmm. um, everybody that we knew through our schools and uh, church life there and just like neighborhood life um, I I think I would have been more quickly involved in like a gallery scene there, Mm -hmm. at least like different art connections and, Mm -hmm. um, being able to keep in touch with uh, some of the professors that I was pretty close with at the art Institute. And, um, uh, so I think there would have been like a vibrant kind of artistic showing career, but also like teaching and, and, Mm -hmm. um, some of those other like, career opportunities around the arts um Mm. and like friendship you know i think i think we would have developed some like really deep bonds with the people that we knew there Mm. uh in uh in our time in chicago that have sort of been you know it's it's hard to keep tabs on everybody from a distance so there's like some good friends we still like see regularly or like talk to regularly but it's not as um Mm -hmm we're not like invested in each other's lives the way that you are with somebody that you like live close to. Right. So, um, like our, uh, like everybody, we lived in that community house mm-hmm. kind of kidsy. Yeah. We like, lived with nine people in a, like a commune kind uh, of intentional community. We called it, I um, remember that. the blue house, right? Disbanded a few years after we left. Um, uh, did it? Yeah. But everybody's still kind of around, you know, but yeah. maybe, you know, maybe that would have been different. Maybe we'd still be living in a community house with like mm-hmm. a bunch of kids and doing gardens on the roof and right. like hybrid <laughs> hand welded cars or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So the idea of, um, Ohio, knowing like going into it, assuming that they had accepted you, uh, or offered you the position, uh, going into it, knowing like, okay, I'm only going to be here a year. It is not even my intention to try and negotiate a re up on this contract. Uh, were you open to going anywhere at that point, anywhere that was offering a position that you could fulfill from Ohio? Or do you think you would have tried to stay in that area? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember distinctly looking at all the teaching positions and mm-hmm. applying for them. So there was like, for like college jobs, they post them in a couple different places and there's mm-hmm. like some art specific teaching listings. Mm-hmm. And so I was applying for everything that I, that was listed. And okay. anytime they were somewhere, I remember there was a job in, um, uh, there was a job in upstate, Michigan and mm-hmm. I was like oh, we lived in upstate Michigan with snow all the time and I would have to buy a Pugsley hmm. which is a fat tire bike it's yeah. like this like five inch tires and like I would need that so that so that I could bike to work and then <laughs> there, I was looking at a job in like 
um, oh, it, I think it was in um, Malibu. Um, wow, okay. It was, like, it would have been a sweet gig. Uh, and I was like, man, if we lived in Malibu, I'd have to get a Pugsley because <laughs> it would be on the beach and then it's mountainous up by the college and I would have to have that to yeah. like ride around. 100%. So like every, every place I just justified getting a Pugsley. Buy a particular bicycle to navigate the terrain there. Right. Um, I think the only place I didn't want to go was in um, South Dakota. Okay. There was a job there, which I, uh, one of my uh, one of my my grad school colleagues I think ended up taking that job, mm-hmm. and she was she was there for a few years, but mm. I think ended up meeting her husband there. Oh, um, well, that's good for her. Yeah. Okay. Um, thankfully, she's not there anymore. So. Right. I'm sure it's a wonderful place, but <laughs> she's a bigger fish than. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so you would have been. Ultimately, you would have been open to uh, relocating as the positions became available, like right after the Ohio job, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So and if, if you want like a little flavor for that, too, Emily and I were really serious about trying to move to England. Um, really? Yeah, we, we were talking about going there after grad school. So Emily went to grad school in Chicago, right? right before I went to grad school in Indiana mm-hmm. and um, she was getting her MSW, um, so her mm-hmm. master's in social work. And right. there was a big need for social workers in England. Um, uh. And she was all gung ho about it. She had worked in England for a year um, doing youth work in, in the Lake district there and loved it. And, huh. uh, but then they canceled their, their foreign visas, foreign work visas for social work because of, it was either because of the 2008 crisis, mm. oh, financial crisis, or, gotcha. um, uh, or there was like, I don't know, it was a weird time. It might have been something else too, but they wanted to like keep all the jobs in the country. They didn't want to like bring mm. in foreigners. Um, oh, so funny. I mean, there was, we almost, you know, we almost immigrated to England at one wow. point. You know, that would, that, our lives would have been a lot different, I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. But. That's, that's really good to know. Okay. So open to relocating. Um, but I'll ask one more question about that whole decision. Um, what did you really want from everything <laughs> at that time? So you had options open to you. Uh, one was assistant at a gallery, two were teaching positions. What did, what did 2012 Ben want? What was your mm. biggest want of the time? And were these just vehicles to find ways to satisfy that? Yeah. I, looking back on it now, I think I wanted stability. Okay. Um, just because everything was so up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really wanted the chance to prove myself as an artist. You know, I, I remember distinctly sitting on the couch in Michigan looking at I, it was Facebook at the time hmm. and just seeing people that I knew from undergrad having really marvelous opportunities and successes in New York and just hmm. feeling like I was missing out on everything. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, that's still, that actually like still really hurts my feelings. It's weird. Hmm. Um, and I, and like, I still get that feeling. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. With this, I'm like, I'm super happy for everybody that yeah. makes any kind of 
success anywhere. But at the same time, I, you know, I long for the chance to sort of prove myself and, Mm -hmm. and be a participant in the bigger conversation of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was, that's, that's always been the dynamic in my life is like, how do I maintain some sense of stability and predictability for, mm-hmm. for myself and the people around me that I can, so that I can focus enough on my artistic in, endeavors yeah. to like do something good. Yeah. Um, and that balance is really difficult to achieve yeah. ever. Yeah. Sometimes I get it for a week and yeah. then it goes away. That's like, that's the ultimate goal of, of people that produce art in all their forms, right? The, the idea of being able to, and I want to say I had three good years of living exclusively on acting and, uh-huh. and doing well. So not just like I'm only acting and I'm making like 10,000 a year and I'm, you know, sharing an apartment with nine people so that I can afford my $150 rent sort of thing. I mean, I was, I was living on my own. Um, so I was making enough to pay rent on a full size apartment and, you know, life. And I was doing this thing. Uh, but all the other years before and after where I'm desperately trying to find how can I live doing this and still fulfilled as a uh, still feel fulfilled as a human pursuing relationships and um, building you know equity for myself in life with people sort of thing so yeah I totally understand that the idea of and man like connecting with that moment where you're saying that seeing the successes of the people and kind of feeling like oh, I want to I want to be a part of that um there's there's a part of me where um so to give you a little bit of perspective when there's when there are projects that come through and they're looking for a type of people uh generally several projects will come through at a time looking for a specific type right so there was a uh-huh. a, a point um where like the chubby latino guy was that's what people were looking for in a bunch of different projects. Right. So I had a bunch of auditions in a row over the course of a few months and I saw the same people at the auditions uh, every time. It's the same people. There were like 10 of us and we knew each other. And so, I mean, we would always root for each other, you know, like, Hey, you know, break a leg. Uh, and if you got it, like, Hey, congratulations. It's so I'm so happy for you. But at the same time, it's like, man, now I want to, I want to be a part of, I want to be a part of, you know, representing this people group. You know, I want to be, I want to be this, this one. So I'm fighting within myself, this narcissism. That's like, I'm mad at you for your success while at the same time trying to be empathetic and saying, man, congratulations. I'm so happy that, you know, you can buy food now and, and pay your bills and, right. and yeah. you know, you're doing it in a way that, you know, this is the work that you're setting out to do. So yeah, I think it's 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 a great adventure trying to live that life of creating, but also the business facet of creating and trying to incorporate those two in a way that there's balance, stability, and fulfillment. So, right, yeah. If you ever figure it out, write it down <laughs> for you sure. Will will do. <laughs> will do. Will do. All right. So at this point, is there anything else from that time that has um, come up in your mind that you're like, oh, I want to make sure that I mention this thing also about this time period, about your life, anything unique or particular in that time that has sprung up? Um, 
we had a dog at the time. Oh, did you? Yeah, we had a little fuzzy rat terrier mutt named Winston. Mm. Um, because we were so busy doing like all these little part-time jobs, he got kind of neglected and became sort of aggressive and started pooping in people's bedrooms. Oh no. And so he went to live with my parents, Mm. uh, where they, my mom pampered him. And and he stopped pooping in bedrooms. He stopped pooping in bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, dang. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, at least he was able to find some happiness in this life. (laughs) A doting, a doting owner. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, for sure. Oh, but that's good um, to know. So you had him at the time, though, when you were living um, in in Michigan uh, for that for that year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was. We, we adopted him from the Humane Society um, in Indiana when we were in grad school. Oh, okay. So we had him for like three years, and then uh, kind of towards the end of our our time in Michigan, he ended up go into my parents' place. Okay. But my mom was like really into my mom. My mom's like a big food maker person. And mm. so she was, she was making her own dog food with like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, she like cooks down chicken bones and then mm. she would like soak grains, whole grains and like cut up meat and put man. it in this mix. Winston lived the life, man. He sure he did. Was, Some three-star treatment right there. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dog food was like basically the leftovers of everything kind of kind of mushed together and right. with like not any salt on it. Right. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so that'll wrap up the interview portion of this episode of Other You. Um, we'll take a quick break, listen to some music, and when we come back, I will read a story that I will have written um, kind of detailing what other Ben experienced in life as a result of this decision back in 2012. Stick around. Be right back. Wish it was easy every day. I'd like that better. Wish you'd forgotten what to say That's not your kind So I pick apart my time Never asking why I'm always in So many pieces and it's My fault Get along little doggy. Get along with me It's time you face the fact that you can't remember the in-between. So pick apart my time, never asking why. I'm always in a million pieces and I don't want to admit it's always what I get. And I don't want to take the blame, but it's my fault. Said I would never be alone Only ask what's good for me Said I would never live alone Only ask what's good 
Wish it was easy every day Cause I'd like that better So pick apart my time Never asking why I'm always in A million places at once I've never had Enough to let you add your thoughts Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the music. Again, I'm with my guest today, Ben Callen. Uh, if you'd like to follow up on what he's doing in the world, please visit his website at bencallen.com or check him out on Instagram at benbencallen. He's a like a visual artist, so there's going to be some visuals that you'll be able to enjoy. I, I'm I assuming there are also pictures of bread. Well, no, I have like a I have like a strict no food posting policy, uh, but maybe in okay. my stories I post bread pictures yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay I, I appreciate your rule i, I dig i dig yeah. the rule <laughs> cool beans all right so without further ado we are going to go ahead and get into other ben strap in here goes determined footfalls return a throaty echo with each pounding step as other ben retreats to his studio the repurposed tiny basement closet is home to layers of imagery not all of them complete a desk an easel, and a small record player. A click sets the pad spinning, staring at the rotating record and hearing the metered pop crying out from the small wooden player communicating it had done its job and needed to be reset, pushed an image into other Ben's mind. There had been an eclipse recently, and it was burned into other Ben's mind. The blackness of the sky pierced by a solid white ring that housed even more blackness. Staring at it through squinted eyes made it seem to rotate in the waning light of the day. The colors of the sunset peered from beyond the horizon and splashed the night sky with a myriad of rich hues. Burnt umber, coral, mauve, cobalt are what come to the front of Other Ben's mind. Moved, he lifts the tone arm and rests the stylus on the spinning record. The crackle of sound fills the tiny room with a precursor to the times they are a-changing. Immersed in what was forming before him, he struggled to find the light source. Other Ben typically spent the beginnings of each piece with establishing the light source and building from there. This interpretation of a rotating eclipse had organically emerged into being without any uh, preparation. Each stroke and scrape of his tool drew from the ether a vibrant and living image. Like the sucking of teeth, the record player called out to Other Ben, desperate to run its stylus along the ridges of a new record. Sifting through the small orange milk crate, other Ben retrieved blood on the tracks and again filled the tiny room with sound. Having distracted himself from his work, he came back to his piece with refreshed eyes and immediately recognized the light source. It was him. He was the sun and beat down upon the earth, his light. But in this brief moment, blasted the hidden part of the moon with what brings us life, light. A few strokes later, the buzzing of his phone was more disruptive than having a ringtone, but Other Ben was stubbornly keeping it on vibrate to prove a point. To whom? To no one. Sometimes we just need a win, and this was a silly win Other Ben decided he was his. He grabs at the phone in his pocket, and without checking the caller, he answers, Hello, hi there. Hello, this is Miss Canesworth. I'm the dean at Columbus uh, College of Art and Design. We reviewed your application, and whereas we cannot accept it on the basis of your work history, however, we would love to extend you an offer to be an adjunct teacher here. Several of us were made aware of your work, especially your most recent creation, That Which is Hidden. 
Other Ben, pausing to maintain his composure, calmly responds, I'm glad to hear you were intrigued by my piece. If my work merits a job offer beyond what my credentials do, I would like to discuss the terms of the, of the relationship being proposed. Well, we cannot offer you tenure, if that's what you're suggesting. Other Ben, confident, lets the silence build the tension of the moment and waits longer than necessary to retort. No, I was not suggesting that. I am interested in discussing the financial terms of this relationship. That will have to wait a moment. I'm getting a call on the other line. Please, just one moment. Switching over to the incoming call. Hello, this is Other Ben. Other Ben, hello. I'm from the Art Institute here in Chicago. We have an opening. Uh, I hired a headhunter to find potential candidates, and before I even finished that sentence, she mentioned you. I remember you, and I trust her. So I sent an email yesterday asking you to consider the position. I trust you've had adequate time to decide. I saw the email. Yes. Uh, thank you for thinking of me. I'm currently in discussions with Columbus to join their program. Will this job offer com present a competitive salary? I do not know how much they will pay you, but I will pay you double their salary up to say 75 grand. Other brand, uh, other Ben haunted in this moment by his integrity fights the urge to misrepresent what was offered and instead cleverly presents a hypothetical. Assuming they offered me a minimum of 75 grand, why don't we just start there and just double that? I will accept this position on those grounds. Done. I'll have my assistant send you a packet that will need to be notarized. Great to have you aboard. Other Ben switches over to Miss Canesbirth and relays the conversation he just had. Stunned, Miss Canesbirth hangs up the phone without a word. Other Ben rushes out of his overcrowded office and sprints up the creaky wooden stairs to find his lovely wife Emily, foot racing with their beautiful sons. David wobbles about, crashing down onto his diapered bottom throughout. As children do, he quickly rolls onto his stomach and kicks his butt into the air and lifts his torso until his head is upright and continues the trek to the finish line. Chicago. What? inquires Emily. The Art Institute just offered me a ridiculous amount of money to teach there. You just took it? You didn't even want to talk about it? We always talk about it. We talk about everything. I know, but this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. We were absolutely going to agree on this. I, I promise. Some time passes. Other Ben rests his favorite mug under the drip and watches as a single-use pod is saturated with steaming water and it flows bit by bit into his mug. He scoops a healthy portion of cream and stirs it into the dark blend. He makes his way to the front room and perches himself at the center of the large bay window facing the street. On the fifth floor, the view is quite spectacular on this clear sky winter morning. The waft of steam rising from the coffee tickles Other Ben's nose with the smells of dark chocolate spice and subtle tinges of woodsy flavors as well as the decadent rich sweet cream mixed in taking a sip other ben is transported to a cabin in a remote plot of land he pictures himself standing on a porch wrapped in a knit sweater with a hand-sewn shemog protecting his neck from the bite of the cold in the morning the sip is the same satisfying and full a head pokes under his arm emily embraces other brett other ben inquiring where are you today Smiling softly, Other Ben responds, I don't know, maybe Italy? I think it's Italy. The mountains look familiar. Could, could you see us there? Emily, stealing a sip of his coffee. I think so. We've only been here in Chicago for three years. David's almost five, so if we left before next school year, we, would, we wouldn't even have any friends to miss. I, I say, yeah, let's do it. Other Ben rotates to face her. He see, she sees herself reflecting in his red, round frame glasses. Giggling, she pulls them down and lets herself become absorbed in the gaze of her husband. Other Ben smiles widely and the two stare for a moment before he pushes his glasses back up, kisses her forehead, and returns to his daydream out the front window 
and the blanket of fresh white snow laying undisturbed on the small street out front. A collection of X's on the calendar crew. Bonjour, no? Bongiorno, it's not a question, cries a frustrated shopkeeper. His tiny mother toasts some bread and prepares three ferra biscottata. She and other Ben share a glance, a smile, and then a short little giggle. You think it's funny? Why do you do this to me, me and my mama? La sciala stare, Nino, it's fine. We have a laugh in the morning. Fine, fine, but it's not a question. Finally relaxing into the morning banter, the shopkeeper rings up the two lattes and three tastes for breakfast. Adio. The three call out in unison, and other Ben scampers back up the alley to his apartment on the third floor. He lays out the toast with jam and places the lattes on the kitchen table. He makes his way onto the narrow balcony and bends at the waist to lean on the railing. He doesn't daydream anymore. Instead, he just admires the reddish-brown mountain in the distance that watches over the valley. He notices the leaves holding on for dear life as the wind flows through them. The sound of the rustling branches and flapping of clothes clips snugly to the lines outside the windows above and below him. Scratching his chin beneath his full beard, other Ben enjoys the silence of the early morning. His phone begins to buzz in his pocket. The name reads Thomas Niskowski. He lets it go to voicemail before heading back in to wake his sleeping family for breakfast. The end. <laughs> Thomas, my friend in this? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I figured you, I mean, you guys were, were friends before, right? So I just, I just imagine that he's still a friend. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That was beautiful, Daniel. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I, I know you guys have David and you would adopted, not foster, adopted, right? Uh, fostering. Oh, yeah. so you are fostering. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And so I, I couldn't remember exactly when he came into the picture. So I just, I just threw him in there when David was a baby. So you just had two babies. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like the, I, I, um, like since we've been in, we've been sheltering in Alabama mm-hmm. and I don't have my favorite mug and oh, no. my favorite mug, like really touches me. Yeah. Aww. nice way um that's cool i i really enjoyed your like your description of the studio and and the the process of looking for light and mm-hmm. and that like eclipse and that's an i you know i think about light all the time so it's right it's interesting to hear that sort of that description of it mm-hmm. um and then uh the like time bouncing Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. I since we talked, I've been devouring the the Ender Games series. Oh yeah, um, and I'm like just totally overwhelmed by it. It's really cool, and like yeah. one of the things that is so fascinating to me about it is the time travel—not time travel, but the light near light speed travel yeah. extends the life of these characters. And mm-hmm. we're so like some of them are three thousand years old, and yeah, in the they're they're only in their like thirties to sixties, but because time continues to move forward when they're traveling, they've yeah. like skipped all these generations of people. So it's like, yeah. in a way your story kind of sounds like I'm in that, like I couldn't imagine living all those other Ben lives, you know, yeah. I always, <laughs> I always fantasize about living other Ben lives. Sure. What it would be like. So that's fun to, 
Yeah. You've given me a gift, Daniel. That's nice. Oh, right on, uh, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's cool. Happy to. Uh, so um, besides the mug um, and the time jumping, were you were you able to see yourself? I know you mentioned that you look for light. That's one of the things that I remember fondly of our conversations about painting was you were always very focused on where's the light source? How can I get light in this? You know? Um, so I, I was excited to put that in. Uh, but where did you, were you able to find yourself in other places? Yeah. I mean, in, in a way like being offered jobs that pay that much money is, yeah. I almost can't imagine myself. <laughs> in I enjoy it. Um, sure. and then like the, when, when you mention like Emily coming up to me in the morning and drinking my coffee mm-hmm. and then asking me where I was mm-hmm. like that, that actually is really an interesting scenario. Cause I think in a lot of ways I feel like I'm not always in the place where I'm standing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And like the idea of, of mentally being somewhere else and then having Emily pursue me to that place and then us traveling there together to, to like form a life in that place is a really interesting Mm -hmm. development in such a short span of words, you know, Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, uh, Yeah. And like the shopkeeper in Italy, that's that I spent a summer in Italy. Yeah. It was like, right. Yeah. Yeah. When we knew each other was, was in the middle of that. And I remember going, we were in this really tiny town and most people didn't speak English and I didn't speak any Italian. Right. And, uh, I was trying to buy soap at this like small pharmacy and everything mm-hmm. was behind the counter. And I, right. I didn't know the word for soap. And sh- the, the person, the shopkeeper didn't know the English word for soap. <laughs> and so I just started acting out, taking a shower uh-huh. and there was a lot of like language banter, but me pretending to take a shower was like when she understood what I needed. Gotcha. And so like that was, <laughs> It's pretty good. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Ah uh, man. Probably, go ahead. If we didn't. If we moved to Italy, I probably wouldn't be very good at learning the language. But no. Emily would figure it out, and nice. I would just play charades everywhere we went. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that. I don't know why I just assumed that was going to be the case, which is why I threw that little joke in. And like, so <laughs> yeah, here okay. you're trying to connect, but you're like saying French to him, you know? And he's like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so. In New York City, every time I encounter somebody speaking another language, I just Mm -hmm. immediately go to Spanish. Oh, it's like (laughs) the language that I'm like the most familiar with that's not English. And they could be speaking any other language in the world. And I'll like, I'll go, see, see, yes. (laughs) That's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's funny when uh, Stephanie and I did a whole bunch of traveling after we got married and... Uh, I, I always thought it was funny the the pharmacies in Europe where everything's behind the counter and you have to talk yeah. to a pharmacist and say what you want and they can give you a little bit of whatever it is you need. Uh, but when we were in Greece, she uh, Stephanie was like she had gotten a cold, right? And so we were trying to find um, a pharmacy with a pharmacist that spoke English, and we ended up going mm-hmm. to three because we like I I wasn't confident that we were communicating she has a cold and that i was understanding that she that the pharmacist was like oh yeah here you go because she would give me something and she's like do you want this essentially and it was all in greek and i'm like 
I have no idea what this is. <laughs> so I can't tell you. This could be like, I don't know, diarrhea medicine, but she has a head cold and I, I don't know how to reconcile that. So by the time we get to the third pharmacy, uh, somebody spoke a little bit of English. And so uh, she gave her some medicine. And my favorite part of this whole experience was her instructions. Okay, so you take three in the morning and then you take three in the dark. <laughs> that's cool. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a beautiful way of saying nighttime. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> so you don't you don't take three with breakfast and then immediately go to your closet and right. turn the light on. I mean, I guess you could if you're following directions explicitly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I imagine yeah, yeah. not. Yeah. Oh man, that that's was funny. funny. Language is a fun thing. It really is. It really is. And so like I got inspired. So I've been learning Greek ever since. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, not not to say that we'll ever go back, but just in case. I'm, I want to have I want to have Greek under my belt. Cool. Yeah. It's 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 been fun, but um not having people to practice with, it makes it difficult to retain. So, I always feel like I'm learning the same lesson over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Would it couldn't they make like um like rather than a pen pal, have like a video pal? You should be able to find somebody in Greece that you can like chat with that's trying to learn English or something, you know? That's a good point. I don't know how I would find them, but yeah, I could they try that. need a Tinder app for people that are learning <laughs> languages. Yeah. Just everywhere, though, everywhere across the world. Just here's a globe yeah. and put your location. <laughs> what's your language? We'll see what's what. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I know Rosetta Stone in their learning, they have like video chat. Um, yeah, I, so I knew somebody uh, a few years ago who was, uh, like a language coach. Um, and essentially his whole job was to be on this video chat from like midnight to six because yeah, he was, uh, doing English and his students, I want to say were Korean, Maybe East, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like Eastern Asia. So he was like his shift was midnight to six to accommodate them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It's pretty funny. He got himself in trouble because as a joke one morning he, or like one session, he was like greeted them in Spanish and they started freaking out like, oh, no, I'm in the wrong chat. And a bunch of them left. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Pretty funny. Hey, did you look up when you were writing the story? Did you look up if there was an eclipse at that time? I sure did. Oh, and there that's was. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Part of the fun for me on this is researching all of the different, like the time period, right? So if there's something yeah. interesting that happens, um, I just decided at one point you were painting an eclipse. So I was like, ooh, let's see if there was an eclipse at this time, and if when, uh, and if so, when. And there happened, one happened like right around the time that you had described being up in Michigan. So, yeah. so I was like, Oh, this is perfect. I love it. I love it. Let's, let's keep going. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I find, so like a part of it also is if, if I describe you're in a place, right. And it was like at the end of the story. So I didn't, I didn't go too much, but if, if you making your way to Italy was in the middle, I would have, uh, like done some research on a town and then found some landmarks or whatever. And then like describe those and put those actual landmarks in 
the story. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I hope somebody backs you on this project and gives you a budget so that you can travel to those places. Oh my, are you kidding me? That would be incredible. I would love it. <laughs> I will. I wish, I wish somebody would just throw some cash at me and I would just travel and take pictures and put those pictures in, you know, oh, it would be amazing. I would love it. Stop cat. All right. Well, invite me back in, you know, in a couple of years when you got your fun <laughs> All record. Right. Or we'll do. We'll do. And the, like what I'll do is I'll, I'll take my guest and we'll go somewhere for a weekend, somewhere fun. And we'll write a story about that place. And then and we'll both get to experience it at the same time. How's that? Yeah, that's Sound cool. <laughs> right on. Right on. Right on. One of my one of my dream jobs that I'm slowly I'm positioning myself for as a seasoned artist is to be like a, um, you know, how there's like fishing guides. People like pay somebody to take them to like fishing spots. Oh yeah, for sure. I want somebody to pay me to take them landscape painting in like South of France or something. Or in Italy. Uh, that you would know, be or incredible. Like, or like somebody with a chateau. I'll go stay at their, I'm putting this on the record here so that when people listen to it Mm -hmm. and they're backing you and then they're like, Oh yeah, I like that idea that that Ben guy had, Mm -hmm. then they can send me to their like vacation home when they're not there. And I'll paint lots of paintings on their, on their compound. Okay. And then they can put them up in all their other houses around the world. So they never miss their vacation. This is my master plan. I, I love your plan. That's magic. <laughs> that sounds incredible. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. Right on. And with that, um, yeah, I think we'll bring this episode of Other Ben to a close. Uh, it has been a, a massive pleasure having you on, Ben Cowan. Uh, again, speaking of, uh, check out his website, www.bencowan.com, or check him out on Instagram, at Ben Ben Cowan. Thanks again, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. This is great. Yeah, awesome. And um, for everybody else, please come back next week for another episode of Other You. For Ben, I'm D. Bye-bye. <laughs>